You're listening to The Story Connective. In this episode, you'll hear personal stories of synchronicities and magical moments. I'll also be sharing a Scandinavian folktale. So I guess um, what I got was from the story you told was the mystery and how things unravel and how we're supported by the unseen. Welcome to the Story Connective. I'm Rebecca Rhapsody. The Story Connective shares inspiring stories of possibility, resilience, and cooperation. One of my favorite projects of resilience and possibility happening on the island of Maui, where I live, is the La Kahea Research Station. We recently held a story bridge workshop at La Kahea, where our participants shared and bonded over stories from their own lives. A Story Bridge Workshop is a gathering where everyone shares and listens to and celebrates each other's stories. It takes a few hours and can create connections that last a lifetime. We will be sharing some of the stories from this gathering on our podcast. One reason La Cahaya Research Station is one of my favorite projects on Maui is because it is bursting with potential. La Cahaya is farmland that was formerly a monoculture sugarcane plantation. The research station's dedicated team of people show up daily to transform the land that was monoculture for 144 years into an oasis of a variety of crops. Central to their mission is demonstrating how regenerative agriculture works and providing research and support that will empower more farmers to make the switch from conventional agricultural practices to practices that enrich the soil, regenerate the land, and the life that depends upon the land. They also demonstrate zero-waste building techniques and intend to become a community gathering space. The La Cajera Research Station is a very bright project, and it's also a new one. It's barely a year old. It has a lot of community support and is just about to launch into its next stage of development. We decided to do a story bridge for their team and allies because when people who work together tell stories together, it helps strengthen our sense of community and connection. More deeply, sharing stories can strengthen our sense of mission, vision, and culture, and help hold us together. I started off the workshop by telling a folktale. The story you're about to hear is from Scandinavia, a place where I trace some of my ancestry. My grandfather was 100% Swedish and spent his life taking care of nature. Specifically, the story I'm about to tell you is from Seam, Norway. Here's the story. A long, long time ago, there was a man who was a steward for a piece of land that had been in his family for a very long time. For generations, his family had taken pride in helping that land be as healthy and full of nutrients as he possibly could. And he loved that piece of land and he knew it very, very well. This is also a part of the world where it gets cold over the winter time. So he'd been planning ahead and planting his crops every day, going out there, planting, weeding, watering, taking care of this crop, this grain that he was growing so he could harvest it just before the first frost and have enough grain to sell at market for his family to eat so that they could be okay. They are subsistence farmers. 
and the grain had been growing all summer long and now it was finally ripe and ready to harvest and the day that he went out with his long scythe which is a long stick with a curved blade on it to harvest it it started to rain started raining raining a few drops turned into a deluge and within seconds he was soaking to the bone and he couldn't harvest the grain because then the grain would be wet and then it could rot and then it would be no good for anybody so he waited and the next day it was still raining and the next day it was still raining and his window of time to harvest that grain before the first frost was coming was getting smaller and smaller because it kept raining and raining and raining a week passed two weeks passed and it was still too wet to harvest and he was getting really nervous his wife on the other hand said you know my papa always used to say that when you need help the most that's when it tends to come Finally, a day came when it was not raining and he went out into his fields and the blue sky was so blue and the birds were singing so brightly and the golden grain was dancing in the wind. It was breathtakingly beautiful, but he couldn't take in any of that beauty because he was so worried and so afraid about what he was going to do for his family. So he sat down on a rock and began to put his head in his hands and cry a little bit because he thought he was ruined. And then he heard a voice that seemed to come from the earth itself that said, don't worry, you'll have the help you need. He jumped up, looked around. Who said that? Fear not, you'll have the help you need, <laughs> said the voice. And then with a flash of realization and pins and needles all over, he realized who he was talking to. He was talking to the hidden folk the unseen beings, sometimes also called elves in that region of the world. And he'd grown up hearing stories from his grandma and his grandpa about the hidden folk that even lived on their land, but he didn't know that that was real until he heard them talking to him. And they were talking and they were telling him what he needed to do and when they were gonna come to harvest the grain for him. Amazing! So he got their instructions and he ran back to his house as best as he could. It was a very simple house. One bedroom for sleeping, one bedroom for everything else. And he and his wife started chopping up everything that they had and throwing it into a big pot over a fire so they could make the best stew they possibly could. And his children started gathering flowers and greenery and putting greenery and flowers all over the living room and up the pathways outside as if they were expecting the best of company. And when the house was all ready, the family snuck into their bedroom and closed the door, but kept it open just a little crack so they could see what was going on. And then they waited. And they waited. And they waited. Until finally the crescent moon was hanging high in the sky. There was a few stars out. And they heard the pitter-patter of little feet. And they started hearing the swishing of silver scythes in the field. Swish. The elves had arrived and they could hear them laughing and giggling and they were thrilled. They were so thrilled and within hardly any time, within hours, all of the grain had been harvested. And then they heard the pitter-patter of little feet again. And the elves had come into their own house and they were eating the stew that they had made and they were dancing and singing and laughing and they kept it up all night long. And the noise that they made and their merriment carried off into the wind and their most nearest neighbors, they lived pretty far away from everybody, but their most nearest neighbors heard that sound on the wind and thought, huh, 
you know, I have not visited my friend, that neighbor over there for a while. I think I'm going to go pay him a visit tomorrow. And the farmer and his wife in their bedroom, they'd go and try to see the elves in the living room. And every time they went and peeked through the door crack, they would blink and find themselves back in bed. And they'd try again, but they could never see the elves. Some kind of enchantment it just wasn't able to be. That next morning, as soon as the sun started peering its little legs across the sky, the elves were gone. And the farmer and his family came out into the living room and they could not believe what they saw. There was no more stew, no more pot, but in its place was the most beautiful table they had ever seen, ornately carved and painted with all the subtle colors of earth and sky. And within hardly time, any time at all, their neighbors started showing up just to see what was going on, making sure that they were okay. And they showed them the table and they showed them the fields and they told them what happened. And all the wheat was still in the fields because little known fact, those particular hidden folk didn't know how to make the knots to tie the wheat into sheaths and carry it into the barn. So all of the neighbors went out and they pitched in and they got it all safe and sound into the barn a couple days before the frost. And the next year, all the neighbors decided to get together again and help each other out and make sure that all of the grain got in in time. And it's said that someplace in that fjord, that area of Norway, there is still a family that has this beautiful, ornately carved table that still is beautifully painted as the day their family found it generations ago. And that's the story. The next story is told by Colibri and Winsome. Winsome is the project manager at La Cajea Research Station. We like to think of Winsome as the wind in the sails of the project. And Colibri is an artist and an herbalist and many other things as well. Colibri is a Kundalini yoga teacher, a yoga practice brought to America by a teacher named Yogi Bhajan. That becomes an important name in the story. Enjoy. So Colibri and I were in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we had $17. And we're like, okay. Should we go to Telluride? Let's go to Telluride. Let's do that. Ah, uh, but there's this really cool Kundalini meditation yoga workshop that's in um, Española, New Mexico. Uh, okay, what should we do? What should we do? <clears throat> so we went out, put our thumbs up. It's the longest we've ever waited. Well, before we did before that, that, though, we prayed to the universe. Yeah. Like, hey, what's up? Like, should we go to Telluride or should we go to this yoga retreat? And we decided that we were just going to go and hitchhike and say that we were going to Telluride and see what happened. So that's what we did. <clears throat> we were hitchhiking and we held, we were in this you know, random intersection in Santa Fe and we held out our finger, like He's our like, thumb. Forgot. Yeah, uh, yeah, we held out our, our thumb for like 45 minutes, which we thought was a very long time. Yeah, two pretty girls, I guess, should not have to wait 45 minutes for a ride. <laughs> Side note. And then... Yeah, so then a, a pickup truck with, like, a trailer on the end of it pulls up. That's what he was driving. And, <laughs> yeah. and um, there was, like, three horses in the back. and <laughs> A bald eagle in the cab. Yeah. It was a stuffed bald eagle. Yeah. But a bald eagle nonetheless. Yeah. We told him that we wanted to go to Telluride, and he said, that's cool. 
I have to work today, though. Yeah. So I can take you to the town where I work. It's on the way to tell your ride. But we're gonna have to ride these horses. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so. so we just we rode these horses to Española, New Mexico. Yeah. To where the guy we were like on the way to the guy's work, and he's gonna drop us off, and he takes us to the street name Yogi Bajan Drive. Like this is the name of the teacher. This must be where he lives. Right. And then he, this guy works down the street from Yogi Bajan's estate. So he leads us on our horses to the front gate, kind of like gracefully shoves us off the horses. Loads them back up when the truck drives off. Right, exactly. And then we go in and Yogi Bajan's dead, but there are a hundred women dressed in white doing yoga under a tent right inside the gate. And so... What we realized was that our prayer was answered, and we were, we were supposed to go there. We were supposed to go there, and we were delivered directly to Yogi Bajan's house on the only day that the women's yoga retreat was happening there, and we got scooped up. And then on the last day of the yoga retreat, we sat next to, you know, Kundalini Yogi from Telluride, and then she took us to Telluride and let us stay at her epic house for a week. So we got to do both. We got to do both. Thanks, universe. Thanks, universe. <laughs> Our final story on this podcast is a story the group named The Magic Mulch Party. Winsome puts it into words for this podcast. And before you hear this story, I need to introduce you to a person named Bobby Pahia. Bobby Pahia, Uncle Bobby, is a tremendous leader in the Maui community and his generosity and foresight has given rise to the Lakahea Research Station. Uncle Bobby is a taro farmer. The word for taro in Hawaiian is kalo, and so we use the terms interchangeably on the island and in this podcast as well. Bobby has been growing pounds of kalo each week for over 10 years, and Bobby is a farmer in the process of switching from conventional agriculture to regenerative agriculture. With the help of Winsome and the Lakahea team, Uncle Bobby is learning about how to make the conditions for healthy soil around his crops by mulching his fields, feeding his plants with compost and compost teas that he can make himself. Up until now, he's had plastic weed cloth between his rows of taro that he grows to keep the weeds down. The front of Lakahea farm has a large circular garden. In this garden, there are healthy taro plants and these taro plants have grown from healthy soil, compost tea, and mulch alone, with no added bot fertilizers, and the circle garden is covered in mulch, and there's very little weed growth. It is in this circle garden where this story begins. This is on Thursday morning. Pretty typical way a farm day starts down here at La Cajé. Um Sometimes we get here about 7, 7.30, start watering. Uncle Bobby shows up gets out we stand in the center center circle garden he, and he says girl this mulch is making me a believer like can't believe you haven't fed these plants anything besides wood chips and compost it's blowing my mind got to get away from the plastic i'm done with the plastic and of course like emory and james and calibri and we're all like yeah no more plastic let's let's do it because i need a source of like wood chips i need to an affordable source of wood chips, as many as we can get, let's call that in. Right, that was 8 o'clock in the morning on Thursday morning. Fast forward to 5 o'clock at night, I get a call from Donald DeCoit, 
and I had called all of the wood chip companies like in Google, <laughs> the list that they gave me, I called them all, I was like, we'd love some wood chips, if you guys are in the neighborhood, I'll give you the key. So Donald calls and he said, <clears throat> I have this job over in um, Kihei, and I have no room in my base yard, and so I have 30, 35 yard loads of this like prime coconut mulch, like nothing else, straight coconut mulch. He's like, so I have truck drivers come in, we'll give you $150 a load. He's like, how much can you take? I was like, all of it. He's like, he kind of laughs and he's like, okay, well, come up with all that money and then sure, we'll drop them off all day. So I was like, okay. He like sent out a mass text to like all the grant groups and all like the people that are starting to come on board with Lakahea, you know, like, do we have any money? Do we have any money for all these wood chips? Like we get so much. Together, Winsome, Uncle Bobby, and others in their community quickly raised the money to get all the wood chips they could possibly get to use for mulch on their farm. Literally every like 30 minutes for like three days, just like dump truck loads, just, like boom, coconut mulch. There's like mountains out in all these fields now. Anyways, we ended up getting 35 30 yard dump truck loads at 150 bucks a piece. And so we're super stoked. <laughs> and we're like, well, thank you. That was a really big, I mean, Uncle Bobby has a way sometimes of being like, we're calling this in. And then it's like, boom, here it is. <laughs> so that was one example of like within like a 24 hour period of like calling something in and like getting it in such a huge, huge way. They will be using the mulch to cover the bare dirt between the crops. The mulch keeps the water in the ground so the farmers don't have to water as much. It keeps the weeds down. And as the mulch breaks down, it becomes a habitat for the fungi, bacteria, and invertebrates in the soil, creating healthy, nutrient-rich soil that naturally feeds the plants and grows the crops, like taro, without the use of artificial fertilizers. So that's a really exciting development. So yeah, now we're going to experiment a little bit with like switching out with coconut mulch and not using plastic and just trying to be a little bit more economical with the with the methods of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Magic yeah. I find that the stories that you've heard on this podcast uplift my human spirit. And I don't think I'm alone on that. Personally, I'm curious that stories of hidden folk and magical synchronicities are found all over the world in our literature and in our mythology. I've read tales of fairies from China, tales of plant entities from Japan, tales of deep nature synchronicities from Russia, tales of hidden folk called Menahuni in Hawaii, and of course, these stories are ubiquitous in many, many regions of Europe. I think this speaks to a deeper part of ourselves. Yeah, perhaps it's how we explain natural phenomena before we had the scientific method, and Perhaps it's also our human nature to want to connect to the mysteries and the unexplained that is part of being alive and wanting to connect to nature. I've told the Elfin Harvest story to over a hundred children, and the question I've gotten from every group I've told it to, no matter their age, is, is this a true story? And what I tell them, and what I believe, is that many people believe different things and that our beliefs shape our reality.
So that's the end of our podcast today. But before we end the show, a quick reminder that the Story Connective also has a YouTube channel. So please do go check us out there as well and subscribe because we have additional content and stories there that are pretty great. If you liked the stories on this podcast and you feel moved to share some of your own, please send us a message. We love hearing your stories. You can send these stories to Rhapsody, R-H-A-P-S-O-D-Y, at storyconnective.org. The Story Connective is 100% listener and viewer supported. We create these stories because we believe that the stories we see and hear shape what we think is possible, and we deeply want more people to be inspired and educated and be part of a positive future. Please support our 501c3 mission and vision. Write us a review. Tell friends and family about our stories. Follow us on social media, and please donate. You can make a one-time donation at www.storyconnective.org or become a patron, meaning you give us a donation each time we create a piece of content. Learn more at patreon.com storyconnective or by using a Be A Patron button on the Podbean podcast app. Big thank you to the participants of our story bridge at the Lakahir Research Station. Lehua, Colibri, Emery, Winsome, Yeheskel, Jennifer, Phyllis, and Adam. It was a really fun night. Thank you so much for coming out, telling your stories, celebrating our stories, laughing so much, and special thanks to Colibri for helping to organize the event. The story Elfin Harvest was adapted from the version collected in the book Earth Tales from Around the World by Michael J. Caduto. This is a wonderful collection of stories, and I highly recommend it. You can find it online. The adaptation and retelling of The Elfin Harvest was by me, Rebecca Rhapsody, at storyconnective.org. Audio recording by Loxy Clovis at storyconnective.org. Audio production by Rebecca Rhapsody. The intro song is Which That Is This by Dr. Turtle, released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike License. The outro song is by Rebecca Rhapsody. Special thank you to our nonprofit fiscal sponsor, Elsa, at ellsa.org. Go check them out, they're great. And the purpose of this audio interview is for nonprofit education, news, and commentary. This podcast is released under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike License. Thank you for listening to the Story Connective. <laughs>